Welcome back to another episode of Detroit Dark Talk. It's your boy in the studio, Tom, and we also got Tim and got Eric as usual. And unfortunately, our guests are once again. <laughs> You're killing me. <laughs> Jesse from Project FDL. Jackie from Project FDL. And TK from Nothing Really of Consequence. Hey guys, how you doing? Yeah, I think we're doing all right. Yeah. 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 We are all actually here from Atomic Dart League. Yeah, so yeah, we're all Atomic Dart League, and we're all sitting in one room for the first time. In a- so, That's pretty cool. So today's episode, is, we're going to talk about um, Foam Pro Tour, but before that, we're going to do our blaster segment. We're just going to hop into this real quick. Um, it is the Cobra RC6, the uh, new, what, what even line is this? The Alpha Strike? Alpha Strike line. Um, I already did a review of this on my channel. This is just like a quick update. So go check it out. Yeah, go check it out. Detroit Nerf. Uh, it was $10 for the blaster. It ha- has six shots and like these two target bottles that break apart. The bottles, like, bottles, they don't stay together. Give us they're some bottles. detail on the bottles, like what they're made of. Are they soft? Are they uh, they're, like, they're pretty soft plastic. It's pretty squishy. Uh, if you, th- but it's like- you could probably throw them like 20 FPS maybe. <laughs> uh, like how old is the child that you could knock out with that? Um... A fetus. Oh gosh, <laughs> you took it there. Okay. Yeah, I did. yeah. Um. Anyway, the blaster itself. So originally, I was like pretty ragging on it. By the way, all this was ten dollars, so it's honestly pretty good value for ten dollars. Um, gets probably like fifty, sixty FPS. Nothing great. It's about hammer shot. Yeah, it's range. about it's about hammer shot. Shoot, it gets maybe like forty feet flat, but you know, like for ten dollars, that's pretty good. Like this, this is six shots in a rotating cylinder. For $10 at Target yesterday, you could get a Quadrot, which is four shots in Smart AR. So, like, the only... They the only have a Quadrot, don't they? Like, a, a version of the, a dirt-cheap Quadrot. Yes, I didn't see it, though. I only saw I only saw this so far, because these, like, just came out. Now, here is the pertinent thing for our community. There's no screws in this thing whatsoever. It is entirely solvent-welded. Yeah, so you can't say screw you and make a joke about it, because yeah. there aren't any screws. So, mm. meme-worthy... Uh, actually, there... There's clips. Yeah, it's it's a clip system. It, is, it, clip is it welded, though? Have you tried to open it? I haven't done anything. I literally I, bought this like two days ago. Okay. I, I, yeah, before you yeet it farther than it can shoot a dart, like try opening it. I mean, it, worst comes to worst, it's like $10, so. Um, hey, I can tell you guys from a blaster designer standpoint, those are actually really interesting. I know they probably don't perform well, but if you really look at it, you can see how they got them so cheap. There's virtually no human hand that goes into oh, assembling yeah. those blasters at all. No, and I, I'm like, I for what it is for ten dollars, it's a fantastic deal. Like ten dollars for this is great. So Jesse, as a designer, yeah, those things. Oh, I also think they, it looks they like did a really blood. cool job of figuring out how to injection mold everything. Yeah. in like one shot. It's like two shots, right? And then yeah, whatever your basically. plunger pieces are. Um, I think yeah, everything is like a one piece. There's no shell. It's interesting to see. I think cosmetically, it looks terrible, and the color scheme is bad. But that's. But that's, does it matter for ten dollars? No, it, for ten dollars, it's totally worth it. They, they could have done something different with the color scheme because that's kind of hot trash. But I don't like the yellow and orange. It, it's kind of like McDonald's the blaster, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Honestly, yes, because it's cheap. Yeah. Jesse, do you can, see- can it shoot French fries? Oh god, it might be able to shoot cookie. Hey, <laughs> Jesse, do you see them going? like this more in the future like do you see this bleeding over into the main lines like the zombie strike and the elite and modulus i have no idea i don't don't know how hasbro works 
I know I saw those, and I was like, how are they making them so cheap? And then I looked real real close at them, and you can tell everything is very unibody and, like, single-piece molded and stuff. If it works for them, they might. We'll see. I think I'm glad I'm... Uh, yeah, I mean, this is where they're at right now. And blasters. if they if this is a success for them, if it, it doesn't matter, like, all these companies, any company, like, you find success with a product line, if they sell a ton of these, then they'll start working what they know and what they think is successful into other products, I would think. Well, I, you know. If the 90s blaster yes. styles are any indication, yeah, <laughs> whatever sells they'll make. Well, the, uh... Well, the, uh... So I'm, I would not be opposed to, like, buying everything in the series because they're just so cheap. Like, I haven't even looked at the other prices, but if this is going for $10, if they make, like, a, putting this in air quotes, primary, I'd expect it to be, like, $20 maybe. Like, I, I'm, I'm I have that. designs in my... I have a shitlord um, list of blasters I want to do just to mess with people. You know, that's the typical. It's the crossbow with a flywheel cage in it. It's a long shot with flywheels in it that don't function. They just make the sound. Um, and this, I, I also want to make a catapult that just shoots these blasters as ammo. Nice. Yes. I love that idea. <laughs> it's going to be called Loner Launcher. And I'm literally going to shoot it directly at children. Okay. Directly at them. As long as they're wearing iPro, it's fine. I'm not going to let them loaded. I'm not like. That That would be. I don't know. I feel like that'd be careless to like launch loaded blasters he's, at children. He's completely unprepared for children to be launched back at him. <laughs> How cool would that be, though? Like, if you hit them with the. If the tip. If like the dart is in the blaster, if they hit with just the tip, they're out. But if they get. Well, here's the, the thing, guys. The blaster, no one ever hit. thought of it this way, but in both SCNC and Atomic Rules, it says blaster hits count. No one ever really asked what that meant. They thought getting shot in the blaster, not getting shot by a blaster. Oh, so if I eat my blaster at somebody for that final tag, it counts? <laughs> okay, I was in my previous statement completely <laughs> and totally. <laughs> No, we need answers now. So, so that means we're actually going onto the field with up to 53 pieces of ammo. Yeah, punk. I'm going to go ahead and go on the record and say nowhere in any current or future <laughs> on rough rule set, whether that's for league play or tournament play, will throwing a blaster ever be considered acceptable as a tag or as sportsmanlike behavior? <laughs> Why do you have to give me a hope? I was really take hoping to tuck a jolt into a sock. <laughs> That's a real shame. So, actually... Look, you're going to hear a lot of lawyer-esque talk when it comes to asking about rules, and rules will come up when it when we at least start discussing this in a little bit. Because, like, we literally had to think of the worst people we know <laughs> and then go, what would they do with this? <laughs> and then go, let's not let them do that. And so you'll see a lot of like silly little rules in the, the rule set. And you're just like, why is that in there? And there's, in our mind, there's a person's name for most of those rules. <laughs> like not, not one name. I mean, like specific rules have specific people that immediately pop into our brains. There are good rules, though. Mm -hmm. There is the rule in there about being able to remove a prosthetic limb and continue playing. And that's a good one. Yeah, I expected someone to bring that up, actually, at the Pro Tour. But anyway, it's sorry, nice, it's nice that you guys were thinking about me when Jackie, you made rules. Jackie, was that uh, throat clearing uh, because somebody that is associated with those rules is on this podcast? Not whatsoever. It was
here. <laughs> oh, stop. Oh. Oh, God. I'll write that. I'll write that one down. No, 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 leave that. Is. Leave it. Leave it. That's funny. Oh, my God. Yes. No, you need to bleep that. No, that's funny. I will. Oh, oh God. my God. No. <laughs> so, I guess we've, we've, yes. we've, we've tipped the scales into our main Jeez. topic. Guys, don't worry. Into this whole thing and just... This on, so... All right. Why, why don't we officially jump off into our main topic? There's a first for everything, I guess. Um... <laughs> Um, uh, so from from pro. No, no. I don't I, know what that. Was. No, I was just putting no, it in no, there no, so no, you know what time is it. Oh, are you talking? Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about my message. So last episode we uh, gave our our full recap on uh, FoamCon and uh, HVZ End War 2019. Yes, and End War wrapped up a day early this year for the Foam Pro Tour, and uh, friends of ours near and dear to our heart in. Detroit uh, were the heads of that, and that's why we have Jesse and Jackie and TK on to uh, debrief us, I guess, on their experiences, how it went, uh, what they were happy happened, what uh, might have gone better for them, and uh, what we might see in the future. So um, I guess why don't you guys take it away and, and, and tell us your initial thoughts on how everything went right so uh we're all still recovering from our sunburns i'm gonna be quite honest <laughs> like five times. yeah it's like a house of like lizard people like it's it's been rough um i mean at the end of the day we stood out in the sun for like it was 10 hours, hours. It was over 10 hours of yeah. standing in the hot georgia sun to put this on you know most of us like on the field, the line refs and everybody, we didn't get a whole bunch of time to like sit down or even be in the shade. So um, it was actually a lot of fun looking at all the, the sunburn pictures afterwards. That was a pretty good laugh. <laughs> Slash but um, it was really cool. Like, so you guys, we, we talked about this uh, a couple of months ago and we were on this really awesome podcast called Foamcast Radio. And we sponsored talked about, Flux. yeah, it's sponsored by Flux Sunglasses. And we discussed like the origination of the Atomic Dart League. And so, like, we've been doing this now for, for two seasons. We just wrapped up our second competitive season, and we start season three in, in August. August 4th. Yep. August 4th. Um, so we'd always wanted to host a tournament because, realistically, Ion Rush got its start as, as a tournament we ran at our SCNC game. And so we ran it as an elimination tournament. And then, you know, of teams – and then we did it a second time, and then we were like, guys, let's do something more with this, and then Atomic Dart League, blah, blah, blah. But the, the goal was always we wanted to run a tournament. Um, and so we kind of, like, bounced around ideas, Jesse, Jackie, and I, like, about, oh, you know, it'd be cool. But, like, in a lot of ways, we were limited to our area of being, you know, in and around the Atlanta area. And while we have a lot of competitors here, and, you know, now we know about a lot of competitors, like, in Florida, and there's North Carolina and South Carolina have some players, and, you know, there's a lot of really Represent. good options. What? There you go. Represent. South Carolina. I heard they got the scrub lord down from yeah. Detroit. No, I'm he just kidding. He keeps showing up at a top. God, he keeps here. showing up and, like, taking pictures from outside. It's kind of sketchy. Like, I don't know. I actually live in that dumpster. Don't judge me. <laughs> okay, so, I mean, that's not bad for Atlanta. Um, <laughs> so, like, we'd always wanted to run a tournament, and so we kind of put together ideas of, you know, what we wanted to do, but, like, it always looked... It always ended up being a regional model. Um, and as a lot of you guys know, 
Uh, Lord Drac is also in our in our area. He's part of the SCNC. He plays. He comes to atomic events sometimes. And he'll he'll play with us. And um, you know, obviously, he he runs Endwar and Foamcon. And like after playing a couple of games, he was like, "Hey, there's this is a really this is a really good opportunity. It's an interesting opportunity, and like something I've always wanted to see was, you know, not just humans versus zombie, not always, not just convention, but having PvP, structured PvP. I think this might be that shot. So we all kind of like entered into these discussions about nine months ago about using Ion Rush as as that kind of format, and um, you know, it, it was announced last year at NWAR that. Uh, and war 2019 would be in Georgia, so we knew it would be close. We really didn't have much of an idea of where exactly it would be, but we knew it would be relatively our backyard. And so it's just like, okay, we have a game, we have a, a, a crew of people, and we have the availability. So we kind of had this opportunity to not just do our first tournament and not just a first regional tournament, but like open it up to players that we won't be able to just to draw in any other circumstance. I mean, we had players from Canada, Scotland, um, Germany, Germany, yeah. uh, the West Coast, East Coast, Northeast, Midwest, Texas. I mean, it. We got to draw a lot of players into a tournament and and really show off our game. And so, like that's that's really how it all started. Was just like having a game and having a team and going, we can freaking do this, and uh, set that bar and and see where it goes. So, yes. I, from our perspective, the Foam Pro Tour was the highlight of the weekend. Um, we thoroughly enjoyed it, even though Dirty Darts Fling Dirt Cheap didn't get flung very far. No, we won the tournament. We got, we got flung. We didn't fling darts. We got flung. Yeah. We won. I don't know what you guys are talking about. Um, I, we, I won. I still thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, <laughs> you, I still want to hear the story of how you broke your blaster. Oh, you, it's like not even like that funny. Like Jang, Jang needed a stock for his blaster because he forgot his, and I'm just like, oh, you can you can use mine. And um, so I'm like trying to pull it off, and it like, you, you were helping the enemy. It's Jang. I'm gonna help Jang. He's my boy. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> it like it ripped these supports off, and so like that's that's how it broke. Like it's not it's not like anything funny. It's just like. I was careless and it broke. Ah, uh, that's a bummer. Yeah. Okay, I thought it was something much it, more interesting. It was it was nothing as glorious as a uh, Napton nerf just completely splitting his FDL in half. That was pretty cool though. That was pretty funny. I mean, like so we at the Atomic Dart League so like okay, you know we we've got a lot of FDLs in the SCNC. We have a lot of FDLs in Atomic, and there were a ton of FDLs at the Pro Tour, like a ton. And Wait, if there's did I miss an FDL question, yeah, I was mentioning uh, Naptown. Um, if there's any one place that would be the place to see one of these things break, that would be where it. Is. I mean, where it it's literally running as hard as you can, playing as hard as you can, not thinking of oh I'll just hop in the next round, you know. So like. Accidents happen, and you know, move on. No, it was. It yeah, was... I thought that was actually really cool. It was really interesting. Like, yeah, people break, people break parts of blasters all the time, you know. But this was just like caught on film, and it was pretty sweet. I mean, usually I break my FDLs doing really stupid things, like trying to run through mud and then falling down and just like filling it with mud. That's that was my one break. I filled it with mud. I didn't actually break it. Just 
True story. I was there. It was really bad. It was like mud all inside. I probably could have pulled the trigger and shot mud out the front of it. (laughs) Because the FDL will shoot pretty much anything you can fit between the flywheels. I actually loaded a magazine backwards, and it still was shooting those darts. Including cookies. We've done that. Um, Including cookies? Nice. Wait, wait. Are you saying you fired cookies out of the FDL? No comment. I only want facts here. Yeah, yes. so which FDL was that that you went through the mud? Because your FDLs are all white, so it's like, I feel like it's a lost, it's always going to be brown. There's going to be some of that Georgia clay in there. Um, it was my two, and I actually have a very good system for cleaning printed white PLA parts using um, a toothbrush and some uh, Armin Hander, Armin hammer baking soda toothpaste works really well for getting and lifting the dirt out of the the little areas between the print lines works that's how i keep all my white called striations striations thank you i had this 3d printing guy tell me what those things are called but yeah um toothpaste like seriously the uh yeah arm and hammer toothpaste and a toothbrush to say your way of cleaning it was printing a new part yeah disappointed also fun fact if you want to get scuffs out of your car use toothpaste yeah because it's a mild abrasive that's, oh, that's my can, kind of like, yeah i mean exactly and, and like it helps if you use uh, like the stuff that helps lift the dirt out so yeah anyway no i filled it with mud it was pretty gross but um yeah you know the, the pro tour it was it was hot as hell that day i mean yes. like most of the people on the field had 3d printed blasters printed in pla in a ludicrously hot day in the middle of an open field in Georgia. If that's not like a true proof of concept of printing in PLA, because I mean, there's been a ton of people who are like, oh yeah, you know, oh the conditions and brr. I'm like, look, it was so freaking hot out there. If you're not like foolish about it, I had a different word, but foolish seemed to be the most appropriate one. Yeah. Like this really showed it could work. Did, did you have any reports of yes, blasters so- actually getting damaged because of the temperature? Um, I think we had one. Yeah. There was one, two that had been left, like, in the sun in the staging area. And if you noticed somebody that was walking around with the lid from, like, a Tupperware. Yeah, Kick-Ass. Kick-Ass was, uh, during their games, their coach uh, had a Tupperware lid and kept all of their spare blasters under a Tupperware lid behind their starting zone to keep them out of the sun. Um, One of the Atomic players had a, a slightly deformed magwell because it heated in the sun and then like he grabbed it and like pinched it to like pull the mag out and it like a little bit nothing too bummer too crazy though but that's still disappointing yeah i mean so all things considered considering it was almost 100 degrees out even though it felt like about 100 135 like there were very few issues with any of the 3d printed blasters not only fdls i mean there were caliburns on that field that way more spring strength that I honestly would have been more concerned about, but it all went pretty well. And I didn't see a single caliber and shoot its barrel out the front end. <laughs> I was yeah, really sad was about that. I was for waiting that for that. That was going to be funny. What uh, Did did uh, Toxic Crow end up doing much caliber and repair business? I mean, I saw a lot of people... I mean, again, we didn't really get to wander off the field terribly much. Uh, like, holy crap, I didn't pee the whole day. No, what? I didn't either. Holy shit. Were you sweat it all yeah, okay, now that I think about it, the entire day, there were no bats. 
You guys had lunch. Yeah, I mean, we had lunch, but I didn't take a single bathroom break the whole day. I guess I just sweated out all that water I was drinking. Yeah. Okay, uh, so to, needless to say, we didn't get off the field that much. I do recall looking over there and seeing he had a, a fair amount of people, like, looking at his stuff and, you know, looking over at containment crew stuff. I don't know if that was, like, business-wise or repair-wise. I'm not entirely sure. Oh, okay. Yeah. I figure it was a tough sell out there in general. It would just be hard to... Already get enough attention on that particular side of the business, but uh, yeah, um, did you, so I was kind of expecting. Now, here let's let's step this back. So before when you were leading up to the actual game, um, and being you know Papa and Mama, FL, um, did you guys have like a bunch of like replacement wheels printed? Because I seem to remember you posting something about that, like you were you were ready in case somebody uh, swarm of bees pop up. Yeah, we did. It didn't seem to affect anybody. I mean, I can tell you standing from the sideline that there were some buzzing bees that we'll, we'll handle when that need comes up. Uh, we were ready. It just, there was no need for it. Yeah. We, we came prepared. Yeah, I mean, and like, you know, we we can't show up with a bunch of stuff and be like, here, have everybody have a bunch of free stuff. So we were like, you know, waiting for, oh my God, my flywheel just fell off. Can you help me fix this? And that never happened. I can tell you that. And I can tell you that, like, the the reports that I've got of people having noise and, like, unbalanced wheels are always concluded with, it doesn't affect performance at all. It just sounds bad. So, you know, we didn't have any frantic people come up saying, like, my stuff's falling apart or bending or anything. It, it, outside of, obviously. Nap yeah, town. outside of the I mean, couple town. of people. Yeah. But, you know, it, it went well, all things considered. Yeah, he just happened yeah, to have cool. a really modular FDL. <laughs> it was that extra, extra ammo. Extra modular fast swap fronts. Yeah. So looking, looking back on it after the fact, is there anything that you would have done differently? Is there any rule changes that you see on the horizon because of what you've now experienced? With? <laughs> Um, logistically, just from looking at it from the planning perspective, which, I mean, we were planning for rain as of 2.30 in the morning the night before. So actually, as of Sunday morning at 2.30, we were rewriting schedules and trying to bump everything up to accommodate for the storms that were coming. So I had a schedule written where everyone was changing places and everything else. And looking back at it now, I feel like if we had line refs assigned to each field ahead of time and then only flex people out when it was needed rather than having a schedule that I'd have to change every hour with people. Um, I overscheduled. I overscheduled. No. But, but I did it so, in hopes that we, would, we could fall back on One it. thing nobody outside of the atomic team knew is the amount of time that went into scheduling line refs. And I don't just mean we need somebody there. But we understood that every single line ref there had somebody on the field they cared about. Whether it is parents uh, having children playing, whether it was partners, whether it was really close friends, there's there's a lot of I don't want to say conflict of interest, but we we took those into account. Oh, yeah. And so Jackie had this awesome schedule that even though it got accelerated, she she managed to keep it up so that way like you didn't have a line ref who was married to a player or a parent of a player. They got swapped to the other field. That's why like if you noticed. Um, well, no one really would have. Like, Team Kickass, which had Aiden uh, Kvarvik's on it, played on my field. So it wasn't on Jesse's field. I didn't see my kid play until yeah. the end of the day. Yeah, me too. And, you know, it was hard, but like we, we did a lot of work, and, and Jackie really knocked out of the park, like, going with every single line ref and finding out who is it on the field that they are close to and making sure 
that there there were no scheduling conflict of interest. So like at two thirty in the morning when we were beasting out a new schedule, like Jackie Jackie really owned it. And that that schedule that we had that so many people complimented that was that was Jackie all day. So we knew I had no idea. We knew that you had had to do last minute rescheduling. I didn't realize it was that in depth. That's that's really impressive. Yeah, as soon as we decided that the storms were still coming and that we were looking at about two, three o'clock for rain time, we literally took the half hours that we had planned for every match and have and reorganized all that and switched fields down and condensed things down. I mean, the thing is, is Jesse, Steve, and I are very good as far as responsive in the moment as well. So while we didn't have a plan in the moment, we were able to quickly put one together. Um, Back to as far as like things that would change, I would have planned as an organizer to have roughly about a pallet of water on the field for my volunteers. I think I think our biggest fail as planners was not making sure that there was enough water to accommodate twenty five people for ten hours. Hmm. Then, like, I wouldn't I wouldn't call that even a fallback okay. on your part because just that's that's a lot of water. That's a lot of money to spend on something like that. And honest, like maybe having water for volunteers would have been nice, but. I, I think you guys did pretty much above and beyond what anyone expected. Was there an actual concern of people being dehydrated? Like, like I, obviously, I, I, people, I mean, we were worried about it, but did it actually happen? I had to have one volunteer take the latter, latter half of the afternoon off because they were getting sunstroke. Um, the water, actually, what I was talking about having a pallet of water was just for volunteers. So I, as players, um, I mean, we made sure Aiden knew to bring water with him and his team brought it with him. So I would feel that players should, but with volunteers volunteering their entire day, I wanted to basics were taken care of for them. So, you know, in hindsight, that that's the one thing that I would have really wanted to do. We today. got them a dope lunch, though. Oh, and, and breakfast. They had donuts and coffee. So how hard are you considering indoor for next year's event? Well, an indoor venue was really viable for this year. We um, wanted it. We wanted it. It was like an indoor basketball court, and there was only one field. With 16 teams... If we wanted to have a serious tournament that wasn't just like a single elimination one and done, we knew we would need two fields uh, and or two buy-on fields, and we couldn't accommodate that. Um, so as much as a risk as it was doing it outdoors, it was the only way to have like fully-fledged tournament um, and, and get everybody through it in normal time. Indoor would be amazing. Though. That would have been great this year. Yeah, yeah. I know. Like, half, like, so I went to get lunch, and the first half of my burger was amazing. Then the second half, I spent worried about all of the barricades and stuff flying away. If that wasn't an issue, that would be super cool. Yeah, and the sunstroke and the rain, like all that goes away. It just makes it expensive. But if you have it indoors, then you won't need your flux sunglasses. That's an unfortunate downside. But yes. they make clear. They yeah. do not. They oh. do not okay. check. Maybe they make body glasses. I, I oh, you can just cover your entire body in it. <laughs> yeah. Have you guys seen you know, you know, Jesse, I think those are called shirts. Yes, of course we've seen it. That's the, uh, uh, you, you keep going. I'll let the kids figure it out. Um, so I guess when it go back to the question of like what other rules would we update? We actually have um, a new vision of rule that will be coming out after we like really finish um, taking apart the tournament, going through some more footage, looking at that stuff. Um, but just like general stuff is, 
spectators and inactive players are now going to be held to 10 feet away from the nearest boundary. Uh, for those of you who I know, um, uh, Adrian Kelly posted some footage of the semifinals and the, the match between Fear Our Foam and Paradox that, uh, that got reset. Um, and the issue there was there was a possible player hit um, and then, but people in the crowd were so excited. Now, this was not a malicious moment. This was just people being excited and, and coaches or uh, inactive players, so coaches being very excited um, and just going, no, he wasn't hit. He, he wasn't hit. And so, unfortunately, the wrong person heard that message and thought a line ref was calling it out. And so he stopped and then subsequently got tagged as a result. Um, but because it wasn't a line ref call, it was a sideline call from player or from spectators, and it did alter the game. The only way to do that was to reset. So after that match, we we made sure all the spectators, all the inactive players, had to be ten feet off. So that way, um, it did make sure line ref calls were a lot clearer to be heard. And going forward, that is absolutely going to be a a rule change we make in there just to prevent that from happening again. argument for me i think that's probably a good thing yeah no you yeah. like whatever makes it easier for you guys to run is what needs to be done ultimately well like i'm gonna you know while we're on the line refing or not the line refing rule the the inactive player coaching we understand and it, it, it's an unusual thing in a lot of shooting sports you can't do that and a lot of people who come from a shooting sports background like paintball go well this is unusual but here's the thing guys this is a fun game for us and while it is competitive I want to make sure we are policing the right things, that we are policing hits, that we are policing people scavenging, or that we're watching the time, we're watching the boundaries, and like trying to micromanage players or spectators because it gets really exciting and you can get really caught up in it. You know, trying to manage what they're allowed to say to one another is like not a good use of our time or energy. And so, is is why some people question that call. It was put in there simply because it was the most viable option. And at the end of the day, we want to be able to cheer for one another and go, yeah, run, run, go. And that where's the delineation in that? When, I, when I'm yelling at a guy, run, run, you got this. Am I cheering him on to encourage him or am I giving him tactical information? Um, we also tested all these things. Yeah. I mean, you guys got to realize that every – like we built – the most simple game possible like that was the most purposeful thing we could have done but we also went through every single rule in that book and we tested it both ways and like at the end of the day we thought that it was better to have a lot have people allowed to talk to their teammates and stuff and we tried it without it but it was more fun with it yeah we, we definitely noted our players enjoyed being able to interact with one another and like be able to say like yeah go run you got it um and you guys in Detroit actually contributed to that rule. Um, oh, yeah. Some people will note that the rule in there said that inactive players cannot cross the midfield line. Um, and that was a really good call that you guys had brought up and that when we implemented on our field, really improved it as well. So that way you didn't have like players going behind other teams' barricades and being able to see stuff. And like, so we, we not only improved this rule set over the last year of playing this game, but like, other people who played this game, like Detroit, were, were able to contribute meaningfully to the rule set that we saw at the Pro Tour. Aww, we're, yeah, that was something really interesting at our, up in Detroit was, yeah, you, since the cover was so opaque, uh, you could 
go cross the line, and then you could literally call out exactly what they're doing and when they're moving. So, yeah, it, it's a, a glaring issue there um, to be able to just completely call out the other team's moves. And, like, we've used that to our advantage and disadvantage before we made that rule. Like, I remember one time faking an empty mag. I just unseated the mag for my FDL and kept revving the trigger. And so they're inactive player was like he's empty he's empty and so they were gonna rush i just seated my magazine back in and i was able to like shoot darts down when he tried to rush me um, and that was one of those instances where like i i used the fact that someone behind me was seeing what the player couldn't see to my advantage but at the same time i'd also made really bad calls before going they're reloading they're reloading and then someone runs and gets tagged out you're like whoopsies yep, there's nothing there's no worse feeling than calling something out that isn't actually happening and have an entire team of five people all looking glare at you like why did you say that yeah well, i didn't so, I think in one of the matches, yeah we just we have to manage it and so the whole keeping players and um spectators back 10 feet i think was just really the good way to do it didn't Spectre N7 like actually intentionally take advantage of that at one point? He pulled his uh, hurricane to make them think he was going for a flag run. And then... Oh yeah, so um, I remember that. That was on my field, uh, and I guess I can talk about it now because after the fact, Spectre flagged, and by flagged I mean like demonst- looked like he was demonstrating that he was out of ammo with his caliber, which in fact he was not. He had seven rounds left in his caliber, but he pulled his hurricane so that because he was holding that overwatch position and so the other team saw him go for his hurricane assumed he was empty and rushed and then he was able to relift his uh caliburn and and take those ranged shots um so yeah i mean he did play it to the advantage but i mean it's it's just another element of strategy um and we understand that there is in some ways a little bit of deception in there the thing we have to manage is you know and the hard one, which thankfully we haven't had to face too much, and we, we did write a couple of contingencies in the tournament rule set, was intentional disinformation or intentional false flagging. Um, you know, we had to take that into account. But, like, playing to the audience is is not an unheard of thing. It's just usually the audience doesn't isn't able to interact back. Um, so it's it's just another element to it, but we just have to make sure it doesn't get abused. And, you know inevitably some clever person will find a way to do that and then we'll change the rules again which is why at the top of every ion rush rule set is a revision so that way you can track where we're at and which revision is the most up to date fantastic <laughs> so did you guys have fun yeah yeah of course yeah. we did yeah it's great yeah I, I always feel like that's I mean, a big thing. Just like, did the organizers of the event enjoy the yeah. event they put on? Because if, if it's we, not fun for you guys, we, like Steven said, <clears throat> sorry, we've been running Atomic for a year now. Uh, Atomic in conception or in I don't know the right word here. The Atomic technically existed before that, right? We we when we played SCNC. We played Quick Flag, and it was like, holy crap, we need to do this. And, like, it, it really, the day after that happened, Atomic started. Um, I mean, so, don't, don't forget to give a little bit of, like, Scotland definitely. Yeah, I mean, we went to Scotland. And, and Flying was, Chicken. Yeah, flying Chicken. Like, there are so many people that need credit for the things that we've done. Um, but at the same time, like, we have spent almost a year and a half building this. And to be able to walk out onto a field with all of your friends from all over the world 
and present to them a game that you think is the most amazing thing in the world and watch all of the smiles on their faces, there is literally no way we could have not had fun that day. It, exactly. Like, you know, we're, we're going to here's here's the point where we do toot our horn a little bit. We're not the first group to try and create a, a game type and share it everywhere and, and see people use it. But this hobby is made out of what we call ourselves as modders. I mean, we take something out of the box, we make it our own, um, which for a blaster is fine. It's actually awesome. But when it comes to a rule set, to be able to play it across multiple cities, multiple states, multiple countries, multiple continents, there has to be continuity to it. But how do you do that? How do you create a game that people aren't going to immediately pull out of the box and go, I'm changing this? And what we came up with was because it, it was to create a rule set, but also guidelines, as in not every rule in Atomic or in Ion Rush is set in stone. Some of them are parameters. Some of them are just basic guidelines. So whether you're playing on an indoor soccer field or you're playing in the street with barricades made out of trash cans, it can still be Ion Rush. And I think that and, and it, it can play with different metas. And, and I think that's why we're seeing that success of it being shared and why it made a great choice for a pro tour style game was because it is intrinsically simple. There are competitive games out there like King of the Hill that are a lot of fun and have a lot of rules and are have a lot of strategy. Um, an analogy which I will admit may not be entirely correct, but is one that just feels really right and resonates with us is King of the Hill is chess and Ion Rush is checkers. That's not to say there's not strategy in Ion Rush, but it's it's quick play strategies. It's really fast follow-ups. It's teamwork. It's teamwork and you can teach an eight-year-old to do it. Mm -hmm. And and that that matters. Um, you know, and there's there's different little variations of Ion Rush. Um, in fact, as it exists now, there are at least a couple of different flavors of Ion Rush. Everyone plays it a little bit differently, but there's a couple of key elements that are really locked in is like the theme of the game, the, the flow of the game, and the rest of it is up to the interpretation of those playing it. And so the Pro Tour was exciting to see a lot of these teams, some of them who had never played uh, vanilla um, Ion Rush, who had played their own variations, um, who had done games of their own, you know, whether they were to the official rules or not, like to come in and play that game and see how it's, I don't want to say supposed to be run. In fact, we, we try not to say supposed to be run, but how we play it, how, how we've created it and uh, balanced it, and then be able to take that home and go, guys, this was, I like our way, but like, maybe there's something to this. I mean, you know, Look, this game started in the backyard of Project FDL. Uh, the SCNC had, has had for years a very high proliferation of flywheel blasters. And yet one of the very first things we implemented for this game type and one of the things we fought for and defended the most, most stringently was a blaster dart cap. Like the anathema of flywheel blasters. But it was for the betterment of the game, not just the betterment of our game that makes any sense absolutely yeah it's it's weird how the more we play it or at least the more i personally play it um i'm finding that even with a flywheel blaster i just i have an acceptable amount of darts i just have to like i don't know i've run into this weird situation where i feel like i fire at a rate where cal my caliber i should be giving darts away and my flywheel <laughs> blaster i'm using just the right amount um and it's nice that the number you settled on works out quite well um 
I don't know. Did, did you have revisions of numbers of darts, or was this like this number you picked it and it just worked out? Like, how did you guys even come to that number in the first place? I think we kind of just sat around and talked about it. So we did two two SCNC games. The first one didn't have an ammo cap, and our team, which was uh, Jesse and Aiden of Project FDL. Myself, Daniel Dart Dragon, which if anyone has ever seen him, he has got a mag on every, I'm going to just say, external surface of his body. He's a um, dart pinata. Yeah, he's a dart pinata. And we had Radian, uh, Ray, who those of you guys, most of you who went to NWAR met him. He was uh, usually the guy with the microphone doing the mission briefs. Um, and we, we did really well. We won the tournament. But a lot of people commented afterwards, well, of course you guys won the tournament. You had the most darts. And that was a fair criticism. Um, even though we didn't feel that's how we won, we understood that we couldn't say it wasn't until we demonstrated otherwise. So the very next tournament we did of it, we had a, an ammo cap. And I think that one might have actually been like 60. I think we based it off of like a nomination. I think we said it was like 36 per player. You know, something crazy like, like that. Three mags. Or something. It was like three mags worth, you know, and we just balanced it out. But like the math of the, the, math of the matter goes like this. There are... Normally three rounds with a team composition of five players. That is 15 possible eliminations minimum needed to secure a win without any flag rounds, right? So at 250 darts per team and 50 or in 15 possible eliminations, that's 12 darts per tag. And when you really get down to it, do you need, I mean, when you think about in those, those numbers, 12 darts to tag out one player seems completely reasonable but we had you know in this day and age of high capacity magazines and 13 darts per second like we felt like oh my god 50 darts that's insane mm -hmm. but the teams that did really well in the pro tour and the players that do really well playing ion are the ones that know how to balance out like hey i'm a fall wheeler and we got Niamo, and the, the springers are like oh realistically i probably only need 20 darts maybe 25 here you go friend yeah um it's a lesson in, in dark conservation right and actually like we've heard that story that that you just said eric is like when you first play ion the initial thing that you always do is, oh my god i don't have enough parts yep and then like halfway through a game you're like wait i don't really need this many darts because i can make each one count and it like completely changes your mindset of the nearly half dozen different locations that have played ion rush that is almost unanimously the first thing that is always altered is no we're using more darts but then is when you have more darts then you have the ability to do suppressive fire and then you get less running you get more camping because if i can shoot 18 darts at you I might I probably would and if i don't have to worry about each one of those darts it changes the pace of the game yep. the same for barricades too, too many or too few a lot of people want to put more barricades on the field but the idea is you want your players exposed you want them moving <laughs> yep. around and you want them vulnerable all the time you know people showed up at the pro tour and were like well these barricades aren't really great you know they're they're two-dimensional and they kind of have you know weak points that's by design there is no barricade on, on the Ion Rush field played that is 100% protected. They each one have a strong side and a weak side just specifically to prevent camping because we didn't have that in Season 1. We had a couple of really strong barricades and we had a lot of camping. So the whole point was to balance out the long game versus the short game. And I think we've done 
a really good job and we, we have the data and we have the the trial and error behind most of the things on in the rule set, on the field layout, all of it has been tried and picked apart by some of the most picky nerfers that I have ever met. And I mean <laughs> our own players. We love you guys. We, yeah. we love our players. But like we get some like off the wall questions that we just got to be like, geez, okay, okay, let's. No, we're not using smoke grenades. I know it's not in the rule set. <laughs> Come on, man. I was promised smoke grenades. What the hell was up with that? Yeah, no smoke grenades. Sorry. <laughs> you guys are talking all this stuff about protection uh, and how to find protection, and there's just not available in the covers. There's truly only one way to have total and complete protection, and that is with uh, a pair of flux sunglasses on your face. So, so nothing you know. keeps your eyes safer on the field than a pair of flux sunglasses. Battlefield. <laughs> I'm actually saying this with a pair of flux sunglasses on the top of my head, so I just I feel like I need to put that out there. Yo, sponsorship? Where you at? Would the flux at? sunglasses protect you from the smoke, though? Would the would the flux sunglasses go over my normal glasses? Gen genuine question. Like a scrub. I did not know that I could be like I'm a nerfer and get sunglasses. Like no one told me about this. I was just like, oh, these are polarized and twenty bucks. Oh, sweet. Do you think they fit over glasses? Like, legitimate question. No? No, darn. Okay. Because I kind of need mine to see. What was that, Tom? I was, well, I was wondering if flux sunglasses would fit over my, like, normal glasses. Um, I think they have a couple of different brands that, like, a different frame set, like the Aviator-style ones that might. Um, I don't know, man. They, they have, like, five or six variations. It's not a big catalog, but I managed to shoot them, and I, this is my second pair. Um... I, I thoroughly tested mine with like a caliber and at point blank and I still didn't manage to break them but then like they fell off my head outside the car and they broke so <laughs> neat Tom's going for that hashtag free stuff no I'm, I'm on Amazon right now looking at them <laughs> get it no dang it they didn't pay us for the this website use the uh, Foamcast radio code I'm just looking at the options wait uh, there's a website yeah I think it's oh wait Foamcast radio stop it oh wait but like I think all in all, we, we kind of like all three of us sat down and had like these war meetings of going, okay, how can people intentionally try to get around some of this stuff? And we, we had a lot of contingencies and there were some last minute rule revisions um, that we, we were very transparent about the rules. We posted them, we updated them, we let people know when they changed. We printed out the most recent version when we, when teams signed in, but like, did you guys like all your goodies that you got in your team package? Yeah. yeah, how was that? Man, I went and bought one of those Foam Pro Tour patches, and then you gave me one for free. What's up with that? Come on. There's only one. Hey, thanks yeah. for the free patch. We didn't. Yeah, we gave it to Tom because he yeah. – uh, no, that was awesome. So, yeah, that was really cool that you guys did that. Thank you. Oh, these that, that was all tacky. Yep. That was cool. Hope you, guys, hope you guys like your Detroit Dart Talk patches, you know. Put those up somewhere where people can see them. Wow, Flux Sunglasses oh, has Flex a lot sunglasses. of really good I options. can't tell you how good the t-shirts are yet, but, you know, when yeah, we get Yeah, that's there, okay. We're not, we're, we'll, we'll get cool enough at some point. I remember I got an SDNC patch. I think I gave it. <laughs> Actually, you know, I bring that up for a specific reason. I gave it to a, a, a good friend of mine who was flying back to Scotland. And he's like, oh, I didn't see that patch. I like that. I'm like, here, take it, dude. I'll likely get one before you do. And apparently somebody from Detroit commented like, where did you get that? that oh, was, TK gave it to me. Of course he gave it away. That was but me. It was for a good cause. That was me. 
<laughs> who got it? Who, who, who was it? Oh, yeah, okay. I it, think it I saw it on him. It was going back to Scotland. I'm like, dude, I'm totally giving you this patch. The only the person to no, So there. the comment <laughs> yeah. wasn't meant as sarcastic. Oh, of course, TK gave something that I gave him away. It was, that makes sense. That's where he got it from. Because oh yeah, no, it, the, the sarcasm came through, but it was just—it was a lot of fun, and it was really cool being able to see all the different patches and all the jerseys. That was honestly one of the coolest parts. Was like, I was like, okay, I wonder how many teams are gonna do it, and like, the majority of the teams like spent more money on jerseys than they spent to enter the tournament, and it was just—it was really—it was really cool, and like seeing the tents out there and seeing the jerseys, it was like, dang. I wanted to wear my jersey so bad, it just felt wrong to wear. Yeah. Yeah, we, we were like, well, we can't wear our atomic jerseys while, uh, you know, doing this. We had our volunteer shirts anyways. Yeah, we had pretty yeah, awesome volunteer shirts. You guys were like wizard volunteers or some shit. I didn't really understand that, but... Hey, that's your one. <laughs> you, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you guys had a bunch of wands on your shirts, and I was like, I don't get this. But I guess I guess still technically part of end work. I mean, we saw the shirts about two minutes before we put them on. Yeah. Ah, okay. I, didn't even, ah. I didn't look at anything that was on the shirt before I put it on. I just put it on and did my job. Which is admirable. Very good. Yeah, so uh, you guys uh, you guys want to talk about next year? What you plan for the future? Like, where is it going to be? Are you guys going to have it at the same time as End War? Is it going to break off and be its own thing? Oh, um... Like like End War, um, that has been traveling, and you know it was really cool to see it go from like Athens, which has a great HVZ community, and then we saw at Georgia Southern, great HVZ community, and as announced, it is going to be up at Penn State, another solid HVZ community. Um, and it's important, I think, like that End War, the HVZ part goes to areas that have established HVZ communities. That said. We're all a bunch of freaking nerds who are willing to fly across the world, across the country, rent bus, whatever, to do this event. So it makes sense that the the nerfer side of it can travel with it as well. So um, honestly, I don't know what the the future holds for the Foam Pro Tour. You know, the three of us all were really excited about talking about it, and you know, it was a as no it was an overall success. We were really happy and proud. But like, it's gonna travel, and it makes sense that. It gets picked up by by a group up there and and run. So, we um, we will absolutely share everything. You know the rule set will be there available for it because again, Ion Rush is still our game. We still want to help out with that, but we're really hoping to see another group step up and to help empower them to to run next year's tournament and and give them the tools necessary to do it because where H where End War is is a really good way to show off. The I'm gonna and I'm gonna anger some of the HVZ players here. And bear in mind, I started in HVZ and I I'm, came to Nerf. It's a good way to honor the past is by going to these historic HVZ campuses. The Pro Tour can be about empowering the future and getting new groups to start up. You know, in the last year since we ran this, we ran season one and it was just Atlanta, and now we're seeing. It's played in Indiana. It's played in Michigan. It's played in Louisiana, Florida, um, Australia. Australia, the United Kingdom. I mean, it's played in California. It, it's getting a lot of play, and a lot of group may not have ever thought of doing competitive are sure as hell thinking about it, and a lot more are thinking about it now after the Pro Tour. So we're really hoping to see another group pick it up for, for 2020. 
Yeah, I think you guys just want to play. You know, you can frame it however you want, but I know you just want to play instead of having to organize. Look, you reversed that answer, but truthfully, <laughs> um, yeah, we have. I have a list of five teams that I want a piece of just because of that tournament and that I'm grateful we got to have that that exhibition match. It was great for, for all of us that wanted to be out there to get to, to play the game we created and, like, have a moment of being able to also say, hey, yeah, we competed. But, like, bro, Dauntless has to be stopped. Yeah, you pranced. Don't even pretend like you competed. You I pranced. did prance, and I will prance my way up to the middle bunker, and I will shoot Kick-Ass, I will shoot Chaos, I will shoot Fear Our Foam, I will shoot Detroit, I will shoot Space Force, I will shoot Paradox, Virginia Foam Flingers, everybody, but I'm definitely going to be saving a mag in the back pocket for Dauntless because, like, they got a target now um, between, between RAG and now the Pro Tour. Like, it's it. Uh, I want to I want to get on the field as a competitor this next year, and so uh, I'm definitely looking forward to that. And I know, I know a lot of us, um, Jesse is, and a lot of our volunteers were also some of our strongest players. Um, and I know a lot of us are going to be really excited to field another team for next year. I've got some shape to get in first before I do this. Yeah, it's fine for Atomic, but like on a national level, like I really want to get ready for it. Get next Dude, by the way. There's going to be a limited. No, wait. We just said that we're we're not really going to. Yeah. So I'm going to give the next the next group that's running this a little bit of a heads up. You should not allow teams to form names that sound ridiculously a lot like each other. Oh, I confuse myself yeah. every single time they check. Wait, the wait, wait. No, I want to be dirtless. Dirtless. <laughs> <laughs> Officiating beat squad versus beef squad was the worst thing. Oh yeah, my and enunciating like heck, but. Oh my! Yeah, they they both played hard, but enunciating that over a phone was not pleasant. Should have called them vegetables and cows. Hashtag. Hashtag what? Chirp chirp. Hashtag and we lost them. Mm. They did, no, they did. no, they did. we're still here. We just. They you know. have names. Yeah, we're like... all sitting here like going hashtag jauntless hashtag dirtless hashtag hauntless. We're we're, we're thinking we're. Pl- Hmm. Yeah, ours is too. We can't come up with anything fun like that for our name. I mean, you guys did pretty good this year. Like you, was, I, I think yeah. for the at least a lot of it, you guys were like the fan favorite name. Like people were just like, "That's pretty clever." But then um, yes. Jeff and the A team came in, oh, yeah. and Sorry. like I'm gonna, yeah, between between all of that, they had plays named after like cliches, the jerseys, and then the. Their intro with the 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 A team. Oh yeah, it was uh, amazing. It was really funny to see, especially like because Nerf has such a, a silly element to it. Like it was really cool to kind of see that also uh, have its its role, you know, in, in the we, pro tour. We wanted a basketball kind of situation. I mean, like our dream with a lot of this was doing something super yeah. silly, like oh yeah, or, yeah. I mean, that's. I mean, like it. It's okay to laugh at yourself. Oh, totally. You know, like if if clothing didn't count for hits, I would have played in a tutu. But you know that that just doesn't seem like it would catch a lot of darts. He's gonna be watch out. He's gonna be part of tutu squad or yeah, what? Tom, you, guys you got another member. Hoop squad. Tutu squad. Uh, you mean hashtag booty squad? Yeah, hashtag booty squad. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure Steven's already. Did I tell you about that? No, but all the Instagram pictures made it pretty apparent. Yeah. Okay. Just making sure. We got a Discord now for it, so. Wait, you have your own Discord and you didn't invite us? You guys aren't in booty. I mean, we didn't get invited either. Apparently, yeah. we're not bootylicious for this crew. Are you too bootylicious for him, baby? 
I'm, gonna, I'm not answering. I'm going to form my own squad for FPT next year and, and have it be Cookie Squad. Like um, <laughs> so Cookie Squad so would be a good one. I realized, and then we'll make. I, I realized I was on record uh, saying that no one claimed that, but I never asked you guys. So, is we put it up? No one claimed it. We're still holding it in case someone does. You know, if someone goes, someone goes, hey, we're we're missing one. It has been confirmed. It does still shoot darts just fine. It does shoot darts, and <laughs> it does and shoot darts at Tom. Yes. Do we want to um, clue our Yeah. So very point? cool. Like. I really appreciate how you guys dug into the background of how you did some of the, the setup for this. What do you guys see for this next season of Atomic for the local folks? Um, I saw all the games have been posted through December. So anybody who's going to be down in the Georgia area should come to the uh, local Atomic Dart League games. Because uh, you can tell when they're all going to happen right now. Um, any changes? You guys looking at any rule balances? Or are you just looking to ride high into the next year? How's it going? Uh, Scheduling-wise, just good to know, I was actually able to land the first Saturday of every month from 12 to 2 at the same venue, which is great, because this month is actually the same Saturday of every month. Sorry, just side note. Yeah, I mean, the the average player in Atomic is an adult. We have two amazing players who are, you know, young teenagers. Three. No, we do have three. I have an eight. <laughs> No, we have four. We have a couple. I think we have about a handful of players who are under 18. Oh, God. We, yeah, we definitely have a handful. Under yeah, we have, we have about a handful. I mean, we got Connor. We got Ian. I mean, there's yeah. a bunch. So, um, you know, but we all uh, we have jobs. We have kids. We have weekend plans. So, like, it's important to us to, like, put these events out way early. And so that really helps with people. I mean, we get we get guys who fly up for these events. I'm not even kidding. Um, and then buy our us delicious cookies. It's pretty great. <laughs> our house gets booked out. By the way, I love the cookies, man. Those cookies were delicious and lethal and mostly delicious. And delivered. And delivered at about, I'd estimate about 95 feet per second. <laughs> okay. <Yeah>. But, um, <laughs> but uh, so season three, um, we, we, we want to change it up. Season one was kind of formative for us. Like, the rules were fluctuating, the field layout changed, a lot of stuff was, you know, as we were kind of figuring out what we were doing. Season, and then and the scoring. The scoring changed a lot. Season 2 was far more stable in terms of scoring. We, we, went, we started it as a standard and we followed it through all the way. Uh, the field layout didn't change much. It had a couple of minor adjustments. But then we introduced uh, the Foam Pro Tour about uh, a third of the way through the season. And our season was five months. Um, so people started playing differently. Um, and so we, we really upped the competition, you know, with having the scoring, having the pro tour coming, having, you know, our events would last uh, an extra hour or two longer that the players would pay for that time um, just to practice for the pro tour and try out new rules. And, you know, they didn't really gain too much of an advantage from that, seeing as, you know, we, we changed the rules a lot. But the main part of it is, like, we, we really increased the competition. <laughs> and this season we're trying something different. We are going um, statless this season. I mean, we'll still be recording it for uh, data purposes and for balancing purposes, but like, we're not going to post the same leaderboard, uh, and we're just going to like let people experiment this season with trying out like some wild stuff. I know I've got some plays that I usually wouldn't run because I'm like, oh, you know, I, I kind of want to keep that that score up, but you know, it's going to be a wild season, and. Um, the way Atomic structures its seasons is we do five months on, one month off, and then repeat. And so at the end of this five-month season, we will have a standalone tournament for the Atomic Dart League and anybody else who wants to enter. And it is going to be a 
three. Yeah, it December will be. December That'll be our last match. Right, right. So then it'll be January. So it'll be the January oh, will be the off season one. Okay, yeah, I know. It's That'll be the tournament. <laughs> uh, and it's going to be a three v three tournament. Ion Rush rules with a three v three team formation. Say it. Season, Say it. season three v three. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yes. it's just. We, we have a game that works. We have a pace that works. We have players that are always interested in trying new things. They've been terrific, uh, whether that's the players in Atomic or the players in Detroit or the players everywhere who've been contributing to the balancing and the rule set. But we want to keep it fresh. We want to keep it exciting. We want to change some of the dynamics. And so, like, keeping our exciting game but running it as a 3v3 means we're going to shake up those uh, those teams a good bit and, and see how it plans out. And so, like, a 3v3 tournament um, in January in Atlanta – and open to anybody who wants to to enter. So more details to come as season three progresses, but it's gonna be pretty exciting. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how that shakes out. And I know like the players are gonna they're either gonna love it or hate it, but there's a really only one but way to decided, find out. Yeah, they decided that they wanted to right. do it. Yeah. Th those details awesome. will they be available on the uh, Atomic Dart League Facebook page? Facebook page and we do also have the Discord page. Um, and so or the Discord server uh, and so stuff gets posted through there as well as on our instagram fantastic very nice hey guys we are headed hot and heavy towards uh an end to this podcast but i just want to check um is anyone interested in having a discussion about the blasters like let's get like the testosterone flowing or whatever um you guys want to talk about the blasters for a couple minutes that showed up and what won and what didn't like because I think like that's that's super cool to see all the different like flywheels and springers that showed up. Like, what was good, the technology side. You got time for that? Silence. Wow. Wow. Okay. wow. <laughs> no, it was, there was an interesting turnout and an interesting mix of everything. I mean, I think there was a large population of FDLs and Caliburns because I think that's really what what kind of fits yep. in that environment, but there were some other off the wall ones. We I had, mean, there was a guy that showed up with a, with a PBC. Oh uh, yeah. Bow, bow an AA bow. And then yeah, there yeah, were stripes. Like lightning Eagle. Yeah. That was lightning Eagle from Iowa. He had that one. And then, uh, yeah, there were stripes and sword fishes. My biggest surprise was, were the players who successfully and well ran, like they, they ran the stock Artemis. Mm -hmm. Like, Hats off to those guys for using rival outdoors with less than 100 FPS in a in a, on a field of 250. Yeah, like wind, with wind. Too. Oh my gosh! Like, but at the same time, I watched some of the most ridiculous hits in the entire tournament happen from a rival round that I think might have actually turned around and went back the way it came, and then changed its mind and went forward again and still tagged the player. So <laughs> that was pretty exciting. And there was a guy with a double Hades that was really cool. Too. I thought that was a double yes. Artemis. Manta I don't he has he's, both. Uh, he's a Michigan local. Manta Labs. He had, he had both. Yeah, Manta Labs. Yeah, he had, a, he had doubled up everything. <laughs> Lost you there. He has a Manta Labs. He had doubled up everything, which was just wild. Doubled up Hades, doubled up Artemis, doubled up uh, Mega Cyclone Shock. Cyclone Shock. Yeah. It was it was really exciting to see like some really high powered things, some really off the wall things, and to just see some people who just came out to be competitors, regardless of what they had. I mean, there were teams that weren't even ironed out until they got there that morning. Um, and that was that was really cool, and that's what we want to see more of is just 
get that competition. Ooh, also, shoes are now optional in Iron Rush, apparently. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It was actually really stupid cool to see all these people playing barefoot. Yeah. Because they wanted to grip the ground better. Yeah. So it, it was really cool. The blasters were great. It was a lot of fun. And I'm definitely, like, I know I'm looking forward to competing next year. And I know we're, regardless of where the Pro Tour goes, uh, if there's Iron Rush, you will, you'll probably see some of Atomic players out there and, and definitely see us there as well. Now, quick question: How how mandatory are shirts in the rules? Did was that ever discussed or no? Shirts, no. Uh, no. I mean, like. Okay, well, so do you remember I, what yeah. I said? We we add rules and we put people's names <laughs> mentally <laughs> next to them. Yeah. yeah. We yeah. will have to put a clause in there that there is no base requirement for clothing with. As long as you're not indecent. The, what is in compliance with public laws in your state? Smart, I like it. And that will be the Tom Law. Yes, Tom. Can you can you actually label it that? No banana hammocks. No. I mean, we don't need to, but I mean, at the same time, I'm going to be honest. It wasn't exactly a handful of guys that made us think, you know what? We should tell people they can take off their prosthetic limbs when they want to, like, beast mode Ion Rush. <laughs> so we'll just leave that, that in Legolas there. Like, so much. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll put a little nod in there for you. Thank you. Uh, Legolas is also just a really nice guy. Just throwing that out there. Everyone loves him. Um, anyway, I, I think... I think that's about it isn't it move on to shout outs yeah shout outs uh eric do you do you have one no i don't really have one okay tim do you have one i do uh shout out to my boy lance who coordinated a trade because he knew i wanted an orange magnus and uh, asked me to print some parts for him and in addition to the magnus that he traded me for the parts also sent a new in-box set of the Zombie Strike Double Strikes. The Kmart ones. Yeah, the um, Orange and teal. Yeah, he sent me a uh, one of those uh, reskin jolts. He sent me uh, some Nerf brand safety glasses and a dart tag jersey. And oh, he sent you a dart tag jersey? Yeah. Oh, lucky. So just uh, cool. I've been looking a, for one. a ton of really cool stuff over and above what we had agreed on. So uh, hashtag free stuff. And uh, some of that did make its way into Tom's uh, possession, so he has actually received hashtag thank you, Lance. free stuff. I got the tier one. Thank uh, you. I after, finished my after collection. your first official from Project FDL. Yeah, thank you. Thank, thanks again, guys. It actually completed my double strike collection, so thank you. Um, I guess it's my turn for a shout out, isn't it? Sure. Uh, shout out to Clowny. Clowny knows why. Hopefully, you guys will know why soon. Well, you posted on Instagram. Yeah, I, I don't know. If, I don't know if like that's public knowledge. If that's, it's I don't know. Yeah, it's like in the comments thread. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, but ho- hopefully, I'm waiting for that. I'm still like, I spent like 15 minutes before this episode trying to figure out what it was. Yeah. So I just we'll want to point that. out that Tom sold his body for Nerf products. Yes. I did. I am free advertisement now. Hashtag free he stuff means hashtag free body. advertisement. Yeah. Does that mean I'm a? <laughs> I'm not gonna finish that sentence. Um. Yeah. Uh, Project you're FDL. You're a dirty, dirty man because you're wearing paint. Yeah. Project FDL and or Steven, do you have any shout-outs? Um, we all definitely want to shout-out all the fantastic volunteers from the Pro Tour because, like, wow. Everyone really came together. They showed up at 6.30 in the morning and stayed there all day standing in the sun to make this happen. And in in the best of times, you got thanks for it. A lot of times it wasn't, and at the end of the day, sometimes it was some... The exact opposite. The exact opposite. Um, a lot of our volunteers also got a lot of flack. Um, 
and a lot, a lot of flack. Uh, and it, that's that's a hard part. But I mean, in in a, a high pressure environment, it does happen. It's just I wouldn't even say thankless. So a lot of it was was a really a big sacrifice between standing out there the whole day and not just our volunteers who showed up at six thirty, our volunteers who grilled, who stood out in the sun, who ran water, who did all this, but also to the guys who were so charged up after the game, even after they were eliminated, going, you know what? I want to help make this work. Mm-hmm. One of the coolest things was the people who were like, okay, cool, we're done. Um, how can we help? That that, that kind of amazing. spirit was... Like, I mean, all of Hanu came yeah. immediately after lunch. They all came over and they yep. wanted to help line rock. We had that, and then we had... Um, Michael, uh, who Needs. played, yeah, yeah Michael Needs, he also volunteered, and, like, just all the people who, like, were so excited and turned around and still said, you know what, we're done, but, like, I guess we're not. How can we help? And so, really, all the shout-outs go to those volunteers, because, like, they were they were the rock stars. You know, I just realized we never fought Ben. We made this big thing about how we're going to fight Major ben shout out Major shout-out to Ben as yeah. well. Oh, yes. yeah. And sunscreen and the bug spray yeah, that yeah. day too yeah shout out to whoever invented combination <laughs> sunscreen and bug repellent in an Holy aerosol cow, can dude. like that guy needs high five dude there was also like people who weren't volunteers who were just like dude you good on sunscreen do you and i was like uh no here hit me up and like i'd be standing there watching a game my arms out like a bird and just i don't even know who they were just spraying me down with stuff it might have been deep i'm gonna have cancer <laughs> that, that might be what i'd happens. rather have cancer than some of these bug bites i've gotten myself in the last couple weeks Tom's cringing right now. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, uh, I guess I guess that's all right, you guys. That was uh, that was really fun. Thank you for joining us on yeah. this episode. It's always of a Detroit pleasure Dark to have. Tom. Yeah, it's always a nice time to have you guys on here. Uh, so, it's been your boys and Jackie at Detroit Dart Talk. Um, hashtag free stuff. Have a good night. <laughs>